Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBT stories. I'm your host, Keris Bradley, and throughout this season, I'll be talking to lots of different people from the community about lots of different things connected to coming out. tapes the next two episodes were recorded in conversation with open barbers gregory felix toddy Ade, and toby gave up their morning to talk about coming out and the open barbers project um, and we recorded it at open barbers itself which uh, was really great um, but you will hear how windy the day was uh, during the recording it was also bin day um, so there's a little bit of of background noise the episode is an interview with five people who all have different stories and thoughts to share when recording this interview, I unhelpfully forgot to do name checks so that you can like keep track of who's who. I've introduced different people throughout the recording and hopefully this will help you keep keep tabs on, on everyone. Um, in two weeks' time, you will be able to hear the episode all about Open Barbers itself. In the meantime, why not check them out online? We are now recording. Um, okay, so we are currently in uh, the Open Barbers Barbershop. Um, which is amazing. Um, has so, so many posters and zines and beautiful artwork. Uh, so it's pretty idyllic to be recording an episode of the coming out tapes. Um, and thankfully, uh, or I'm very grateful to the staff here who've agreed to give up their morning to come and chat about coming out stories. So um, would you like to introduce yourselves, the listeners? Should we start and then move round? <coughs> okay. Uh, my name's Felix. My pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm 31, and I identify as um, a non-binary trans person um, at the sort of, like, mask end of things, but I'm increasingly unsure about what that really means to me, like, it's changing what that means to me. Um, And in relation to the questions that might be asked of me, um, I, I grew up in a very rural place, um, which I think has, uh, I grew up in a very rural place before the internet was a, was a big thing, uh, which I think will have uh, an impact on um, what I speak about, um, but then uh, I also feel like I've had sort of two comings out 
and the latter one was in a much more was much more sort of immersed in a in a queer community, so they might be quite different from one another. And I guess that's like some relevant background information. If that's okay. Yes, that was perfect. Okay. Thank you. Great. <coughs> um, my name is Toddy. My pronouns are she/her. Um, I grew up in the seventies in North London um, with an Indian family, um, and so my, my though I'm I consider myself British. My family is very Indian. My heritage is very Indian, with all of the kind of conservative uh, trappings that go along with that. Um, I have three kids, and I would say that in terms of what I would generally be speaking about, um, it's the fact that my kids, as they've aged, my life has more been about coming out to them, or in some ways not coming out to them. Um, I kind of don't really identify with any specific labels particularly um, but my identity has been very fluid throughout my entire life um, so my 17 year old recently said mum basically the best word for you is queer so if I have to use a label then I tend to stick with that because it doesn't identify too much because I don't really tend to think about it too much so thank you Okay, cool. Uh, so, you use lots of different words and often no words, which is very cool. And then you say you're saying that um, uh, you kind of use non-binary trans, and then mm-hmm. maybe trans but that's sort of maybe a bit changing. So, what has that kind of been? Are you on a bit of a journey at the moment, or mm, do you think? I think. Um, it's more that I, um, when I first started to use the word trans about myself, um, I think I would have described myself um, more as, I would have used the term FTM probably more when I first started using that word. Um, um, but I wouldn't use that anymore. Um, and I think it's because um, I don't feel like I'm going from like woman to man. Um, I feel like I'm definitely sure that I'm not a woman, um, and I'm f- f- fairly certain that I'm not a man either. But I feel like I'm more comfortable moving through the world being perceived to be male. Um, so that's why I say like transmasculine, or transmasculine. But I feel like I want to spend more time interrogating what that means um so i feel like in the last couple of years um non-binary feels like the, the term that fits because i'm not sure what what else i might use um, do you remember the first time that you sort of encountered the term non-binary mm. Without having a 17-year-old child to pop up and be like, oh, have you heard this language? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, some years ago, I would say. Um, yeah, some years ago, maybe five or six years ago, something like that, probably here. Um, I feel like I learnt, I've learned a lot about um, like gender and language through being part of Open Pub and meeting like from other people in the team, but also lots of clients, because all the clients have different ways of describing themselves. And that's interesting and helpful. Um, do you have you found that having uh, this new kind of label 
um, was that like a helpful thing to sort of direct exploration every um, year? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think because when you when I started to think about transition, um, I knew I had some goals. I knew there were a couple of things that I really wanted, um, like I wanted to be on hormones and I wanted to have top surgery and in order to get those things through um, through like medical help you have to present in quite a particular way um, at that time anyway this was like seven or eight years ago so maybe th things are slightly changing now but at that time it, that certainly was the case and so I think uh, but after all of that had happened I think then I had um, like space to think about the words I might want to use a little bit more. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does really, really, okay. really well. Okay. Um, because you were saying that uh, <coughs> you're sort of, most of the time when you're coming out, you're coming out to your kids. Yeah, I mean, so when I was growing up, um, despite having quite conservative parents, for me it was completely normal for my mum to be, and they say we'd be at a social event, and my mum would point out the really pretty girls to me just as much as the really handsome young men, like from Tiny. And I remember my first crushes were definitely on females. And then I've had relationships with women and I've had relationships with men. I've mostly had long-term relationships with men. Um, but then I've, we also had a polyamorous sort of living situation on and off um, before I was married and after I was married and subsequently as well. And I remember at the time, it was very much, do not want my parents to know about this. Not that I was ashamed, but more that it was not something I wanted to deal with with them sort of going, well, have, are you choosing? Are you choosing a specific label? Because for them, um, it seems like when you, when you do something, you decide. So you're either gay or you're straight. And you certainly don't have more than one partner because you decide, you, you choose a partner and you marry them and that's it. Um, and so it was very much kind of important to me that no one outside found out. So equally that my children didn't really know, despite living in a house with more than two adults, that they not realise that this was a polyamorous family. It was just, we happened to have extra parents. Um, but as my children have got older, certainly the two older children, it's very much normal that we will, you know, do the same thing that my mum did with me and so I would spot the pretty girls and spot the cute guys. And they've always found it kind of normal, but I think as they've got older, they've realised that not every parent does that and it's not, not necessarily something they experience everywhere. Um, and an, I mean, another thing that I remember from growing up, again, that felt both odd and also normal to me, was the fact that when, when I was very tiny, and my mum tells this story quite frequently, people would say to me, what did I want to be when I grew up? And firstly, I would say, I don't want to grow up, I want to grow down. Um, but also, I would say that I, I don't want to be a good girl, I don't want to be a big girl, because I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. Or I'm not the kind of girl that people think of as girls. I was very much not a girly girl. But my parents were fine with that. They were quite encouraging of it. And similarly, my two daughters are very much not girly girls, and I very much encouraged that with the whole 
having the dinosaurs and trains alongside the teddy bears and not dolls because I hate dolls um, but then my son who's my youngest is also very much non I don't want to say non-binary I suppose non-conforming um, in that he has long hair and he's very gentle and he often gets mistaken as a girl and again I've always encouraged that this is completely normal because there are not two extremes of gender there is an awful lot in between that that's perfectly acceptable so yeah com coming out is more about slowly revealing to them that you know I I don't fit the norms of what other parents are I'm not sure if that answers your question but it does it does you don't have to keep checking <laughs> yeah, whatever okay. you said is definitely going to cool. be a good answer to the question so it's, it's all right. I kind of feel like you both have had people within your lives who have expected you to pick as you were saying like you have to be gay or straight you have to be a man or a woman um so uh hearing about like sort of coming out without words was quite interesting um do uh do either of you remember sort of the first time that you came out to yourself in whatever form that might have been mm. i like how you're looking at each other as if like the other person <laughs> might know yeah i mean no i i don't ever feel like i did have any kind of big reveal if you like I, I just always felt how I felt and it always felt part of who I am I never really questioned it um, I vaguely remember at secondary school sort of being asked ooh are you a lesbian and I kind of went no you know it's not that I don't want to be a lesbian I just don't think I am but I don't but I don't see why you're saying it like it's a bad thing I just happen to, you know, fancy who I fancy, and I don't particularly see gender as an issue. Um, but I don't ever remember sort of realizing, oh my gosh, I I fancy people of you know any gender. It, I don't ever remember that being like a big, a big realization. Okay. Mm, I think uh, um, I think I became aware of being queer in some way when I was about maybe 13 or 14. Um, I might have been aware of it before that, but I was aware of it as a thing that was um, not the norm, uh, in air quotes, uh, when I was about 13 or 14, because that was when I started to feel like I was um, attracted to people of the same gender as me at that time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, I don't remember there being like a one particular moment, but I remember it happening around that time. And I did actually come out at that time in my life. Um, so, which I think when I, when I did it then, I think I felt like I was really old, but I realise now that I was not at all. Like I was super young. So. Um. So you mentioned at sort of the, the top of the conversation that uh, the internet wasn't really a thing. Mm, yeah. Did you have like any resources or 
kind of people that you can mm. talk to or places where you could get kind of advice or access to? I don't, uh, I certainly didn't have any online resources. Um, I told I told all my close friends and nobody had any issue with that. Um, in fact, people saw, a lot of people sort of already knew or felt they already knew. Um, and, but there wasn't any, um, certain, uh, I don't, rem I don't remember having any trouble at school because of it, because I was quite openly out in school and no one gave me any hassle for it. But on the other hand, there was no positive representation at all. So my school didn't have any kind of like LGBT club or anything like that. I don't remember there being any out teachers and there wasn't any kind of, there wasn't anything. It was never talked about in any lessons of any kind. Um, so there was just sort of nothing. Um, and then my family, like my parents, um, my pa like my parents sort of sensed it before I told them. And I think, um, they are very, very supportive of me. I think at, at first they were worried for me. And I think the main reason for this is because my mum's older sister is gay and came out in 1962 when my mum was 14 and when my mum's sister was 18 and experienced a lot of really horrible things. And so I think my mum just had a lot of memories of her sister going through a lot of pain and hardship um, and was worried that I would go through that like her sister did um, and similarly my dad um, his some of his his oldest and closest friends were a gay couple who had also experienced a lot of hardship and so he had that experience so I think they I don't think they were trying to be unsupportive but I think they were they were worried because of their friends and family who'd had um, who'd had a difficult time basically Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember reading problem pages of women's and girls' magazines, um, scouring for the stories about, you know, I'm attracted to my same-sex best friend, Sida, and I was very much left to my own devices when I was reading, um, and I stumbled upon a book of women's sexual fantasies in a bookshop, and the bookshop bizarrely allowed me to purchase it. And it was essentially pornography, um, if you know, if you were labelling it. Um, but the more I read it, the more I realised how normal my thoughts and fantasies and feelings were, and how this wasn't actually just me. And I'd had, I mean, partly because I was from a different culture in a very, very Western world, I'd had a very different... Uh, I'd basically lived my entire life feeling other, so I couldn't really untangle which bits of me were other for, for which reasons. Um, and I kind of lumped everything as, well, I'm just odd. Everything about me is odd, nothing fits in. And when I found this book, and I, the more I read it, the more I found these sexual fantasies that were completely normal and completely, you know, working within how people are. It's just the fact that people don't really talk about them, particularly not at that age necessarily, and certainly not in those times, and certainly not in my kind of family, um, that I sort of 
realised this, this was amazing, this was brilliant. And th- that was actually one of the biggest and most helpful resources for me, um, alongside all the, the problem pages from all the magazines. But, yeah, there, I mean, there was no internet. There was no, as Felix said, there was no talk about it at school. Um, I had no awareness of gay teachers. There was one gay music teacher, but it wasn't talked about that it, that he was gay. It was known, but it wasn't ever talked about. It wasn't a, a thing. And then when I went to university, suddenly it was the biggest deal ever. We had an LGB, and it was only LGB in those days, group. Um, and, you know, it was this amazing, completely different culture where suddenly everything was fine and everything was normal and we don't not talk about this anymore. And that was a massive relief. Do you want to introduce yourself? Can you remind me what I should cover? Um, so if you could say uh, who you are, um, so your name if you want to share it, uh, and uh, how you, what language you use to describe your identity, and then if there's anything else that you think is relevant um, so, uh, sort of, what you do, that kind of thing, then you can share if you'd have to share anything. My name's Gregory, um, I use he pronouns, I probably would describe my gender identity as trans, um, although most, most people would leave me as male, um, and um, I was born in 1979, so I'm a child of the 80s. Um, grew up in the West Midlands, um, mostly with a Catholic, Roman Catholic upbringing. Um, I'd say that most of my childhood pre-puberty, I was pretty happy. Um, used to live in hand-me-down clothes from the prisons and had short hair. Um, so I didn't experience much um, awareness of um, any sort of gender dysphoria. So on, I think I thought I was a boy and I was confused why my body was turning out the way that it was on some. Um, it wasn't until um, sort of around secondary school age that I started to think I had to unlearn the things that were okay as a child. And then I think probably I spent most of my mid-twenties onwards having to unlearn the things that I learned were not normal, etc. So I feel like a lot of my adult life has been about unraveling and unpicking. Um, certain things. Amazing. Um, do you remember uh, sort of the first time that you came out to yourself? Um, I think for me coming out has sometimes felt like a reconnecting with my five-year-old self rather than because um, of the things I was just saying. I think when I remember sort of things like when I was about five or that around about that age, someone asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a daddy. Um, I think when I was about eight, I remember seeing one of my dad's pupils because he was a school teacher. I remember seeing one of my dad's pupils and he had sideburns. And I remember thinking, they look really great. And when I'm older, I'm going to wear sideburns too. Um, I also remember um, just being confused by my anatomy and thinking, some point a penis was going to grow and it never did so things like that I think um, I think that those beliefs that I had about myself or those understandings I had about myself were more accurate than 
my more for so-called formative, well, I don't know, my teenage years mm. when, kind of adolescent and young adult years, um, where the coming out was almost about returning back to a sort of sense of self. Um, so there have been a lot of coming out experiences, actually, coming out as lesbian, coming out as queer, coming out as trans, um, coming out as polyamorous. Um, those are the sort of main things I can think of where it feels as though I've had to rediscover an aspect of my identity and be okay with it. And I think probably most of my teenage and young adult years were about dealing with shame and um, dealing with um, the kind of coming to terms with. So rather than coming out, more of a coming to terms with. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Coming out for me has been more about confronting, constantly confronting <clears throat> the ways in which masculinity seemed to have more access in my life than femininity did, and not understanding where those rules came from. Um, I guess I've never necessarily felt that inherently attached to my body, and so um, similarly to what I guess it depends on how you're going to edit this. <laughs> similarly to what Gray was saying, it's been sort of like numerous coming outs of like, it's like gay and then queer and then non-binary and like trans spectrum kind of thing. Um, I make music. Um, I'm in a band with um, my partner, Toby, another Nigerian woman, like Nigerian person. And... Um, my friend Kyoko, um, a queer Japanese person. Um, I guess I mentioned that because it means our existences are constantly moving all the time. We're constantly in motion and that is also something that's been part of my life since I was very young. Um, I grew up partly in Nigeria and also in London um, before settling here for secondary school. And um, my upbringing and the Christian context of that um, definitely contributed to limitations on exploring a lot of things about myself. Um, 
including my sexuality and gender. Um, now I know all those things can exist in one body as I am alive in here. Um, but it took a while to get there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably. That was great. Thank you. Do you want to introduce yourself as well? Sure. <coughs> um, um, my name's Toby. I am a hairstylist, uh, artist, and a parent, um, amongst other things. But um, I feel like a lot of my identity is kind of tied in those three things I just mentioned. You know, my life as a hairstylist, my life as an artist, and my life as a parent. Um, yeah coming out yeah it feels like a constant process i don't really feel like it's something that i'm ever gonna stop doing but it's definitely been what feels like an ongoing um not a battle but like <laughs> something like a long war but i'm kind of on top of it because i'm choosing to engage in this like actually my existence is very relevant to me and that's more important than I guess what society or the world around me tells me is and isn't okay. Um, so yeah, that's why I say that coming up feels like constant. Um, I grew up in Nigeria. I was born and raised there till I was 13 and then moved to the UK to Essex. Um, and I think in between all of those transitions, the thing that really strangely but <laughs> com like comfortingly felt um, constant for me was my understanding of who I am and want to be in the world. Um, I'm very grateful to have had that from a very young age um, because it's meant that I didn't necessarily always have to come out but a lot of the conversations were happening naturally for me um, even though I was very much aware of the fact that it wasn't supposed to be natural. Um, to be queer, to be, as I would put it in Nigeria, to be bisexual. Um, and yeah, I think there's just a lot of conversations to be had around what it needs to come out and all the different ways that people who identify outside of convention a lot of the times have to um, on like an everyday basis. But, yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so sort of to pick up on what was being said before um, by Toddy about like reading a book and then being like, oh, I'm very aware that I've had some of these thoughts. Um, does anyone remember sort of maybe the first time that they saw another person or read a thing or heard a thing or saw a thing that made them like that kind of connected with that part of their identity or maybe clarified part of their identity? Yeah. Um, my own kids, my own kids exploring their gender and sexuality, particularly my eldest, suddenly made me realise what I kind of put words to what I've been kind of exploring and not really exploring my entire life. And I'm very blessed that my teenager talks to me very, very openly, but pretty much everything she says that she's experiencing I go oh my gosh I remember going through that I remember that feeling and so that's kind of really weird because I don't think I ever met anyone like myself until I met my kid 
<laughs> which sounds really strange. You didn't see yourself in the world, so you made space <laughs> another one. I just, yeah, that was it. I thought, you know, I can't be alone, so let's have another one. So, I mean, maybe I made my kids the way they are, or maybe they're just helping me see the world the way it is. But, yeah. Um, and also... Um, actually open barbers I mean I've only been working here four months but I've been involved with open barbers in some way I think we worked out it's about four years um, and we came to open barbers because my son wanted a haircut that he couldn't get anywhere else in other words he wanted long hair and when I started coming to open barbers um, I started being exposed to people who made sense to me who I just didn't see in the outside world somehow um, and then the more I've been involved with Open Barbers, the more I've seen that, you know, it, it's had a normalising effect on all of us. Um, and it makes us feel relaxed and comfortable in being who we are because suddenly the proportions of queer people have increased in our lives. So those, those are the things, the, the things that have really made me see um, sort of like an expression of, of what I want to be in life. Great. Anyone else? Mm, I, well, I guess I had my, there's quite a lot of other people in my family who identify in some way as queer. They might not use that language, but they, um, like I mentioned earlier, my mum's older sister came out as gay when she was 18 in the 60s. Um, and because of that, I think um, there wasn't such a huge separation in my mind around like gay people and straight people. Um, I, I understood that, that, that there was something, um, I understood that straight people were perceived to be normal, um, but I, because my auntie and her wife were always around, like, around in my sort of awareness and also my dad's um, best friends who were also gay. I, I, I don't remember feeling particularly like, oh, I'm like them, but I having them around somewhere in my subconscious was like, oh yeah, people can be like that. Um, but I remember when I was about, I think maybe 14 or 15, there was a, a TV show, like a singing competition TV show. and there was somebody on that TV show who was a few years older than me. I think she was 19, 18 or 19 when she went on the competition. And I like, I think when you're that age, you like get really obsessed with people, like really, really. And I was so, I just thought she was the coolest person I'd ever seen in my whole life. And I, she had like short hair and I cut off all my hair and I just, like I didn't know her and I was never gonna meet her, but I, just really strongly was like that's the person who looks like I how I want to look and um, that I, I mean I'm only thinking I'm thinking about it now because we're talking about it but I just was I remember seeing her on the TV and being like that's it and she was like openly gay on the uh, TV show and stuff and um, yeah I just uh, really grab sort of gravitated towards her and like um, she ended up, she won the competition and so she sort of got quite big and like I had like posters of her and like bought all her CDs and was like really, really like 
and bizarrely, uh, when I went to university, um, I, I worked in a, in a cafe while I was at uni, and there was someone else who worked in the cafe who was her ex-girlfriend, and I nearly fell over when I, <laughs> I was, I just had to be like, oh, interesting, and then I went, I think I went to the loo and was like, <laughs> so I sort of had a bit of a meltdown. Um, so I got closer than I thought to this person. But yeah, she, I remember like she was a really formative person just because I'd never seen like on telly being out a, a person who was similar to me. Um, does anyone have any uh, particularly good coming out stories? I was going to say a particularly <laughs> bad one. It's like I'm kind of like fishing for them, but you know, just you know, memorable coming out. I have a particularly funny one. Mm. We love a funny coming out story. Um, so we were one of these community fun day things and there was an NHS stall and they had some really cool freebie stuff which they were giving away to the kids if the parents would fill in an NHS questionnaire. And my 12-year-old kind of looked longingly at these amazing colouring sheets of dragons and things. And I went, yeah, okay, I'll fill it in. So I was just asking like general questions about how do you feel about the NHS and then at the end there was the identifying questions and they wanted the question, there were a whole load of boxes as how do you identify and I wasn't really thinking about what I was doing, I was just trying to hurry up and I ticked queer and my two daughters were stood very nearby and my 12 year old turned to her 17 year old sister and went, oh my goodness, your mum's gay and the other one went no your mum's gay (laughs) and the poor NHS person was just stood there with this horrified expression and these two girls were killing themselves laughing and I suddenly realised what I'd done because I'd never specifically made this coming out to my children and I was both amused that they weren't surprised and also kind of shocked that they weren't surprised but yeah it was utterly mm. hilarious and the <laughs> dragon colouring sheets were very very unimportant after that it's just the best part of the day <laughs> I did a talk in Bradford a couple of months ago and this woman brought her son to the talk and we were chatting afterwards it was actually a comedy show and it was not appropriate for children and she made him sit with his like he had like a game on his iPad with his headphones in and then she would pull his headphones off for the important bits which meant this poor kid like missed all of the cool sex stuff and just had to see the bit on the Nazis Um, and then afterwards we were chatting about it and she was saying, you know, because it's relevant to him to learn about this and he was like, why is it relevant to me? and she was like Sweetheart, you have two mums, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's a good, it's a good point." But he just <laughs> <laughs> hadn't, hadn't made that connection. <laughs> Does anyone else have any stories they want to share? I feel like my uh, coming out stories are very varied because I've had to come out to my family like three times. I feel like I had to come out to my mum, I had to come out to my dad, and I had to come out to my sisters. So like. Coming out to my dad was the most anticlimactic thing I've ever experienced in my life, I will say. Because when I was younger, my mum caught me like in the cupboards with another girl, like just doing some naughty stuff. And she was horrified. Like, we were living in Nigeria at the time. I was like 12, just probably just like exploring what kids, I don't even know what we were doing, to be honest. It was 
something innocent, but for her it was perverse because obviously it was with another girl. Um, and so she like brought out all these like, um, she went to go buy actually all these magazines that had like, you know, anti-gay propaganda, like telling me how it's really bad and like she's so worried for me and my friend and that like if I were to tell my dad, like he would lose his absolute shit. Excuse my language. You can, you can <laughs> swear, don't, don't worry. <laughs> so after that, we never spoke about it again. I never thought I could, I just, it just didn't happen. And we moved here. We all were just living our lives. I was still gay as everything, <laughs> but just not really talking about it with my family. And I think this day, like my dad would come sometimes to visit because he lives in Nigeria, we live here. And this day we were just walking in the evening because we like would go for walks. And he was just like, Toby, are you bisexual? And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh God, oh God, what am I going to do? I'm not going to lie. And so I was like, it's really cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay. And that was literally the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing else. And so I just, I was like, I spent eight years, or like some ridiculous amount of time just hiding this part of myself from my father, thinking he was going to be completely disappointed or like disown me or something ridiculous. And it ended up just being nothing. And it was great because I didn't feel like I needed to have a conversation about it, but it also just felt a bit freeing to not be kind of like, limiting myself and the kinds of things that we share with each other because it felt dishonest but when I was like oh I'm really close with my dad to then be like I don't really talk to him about my sexuality um that's one story <laughs> um with my sisters I think they probably just just thought I was weird generally I was always like you know everybody should be weird it's amazing um <laughs> but when I went to uni I went to um they do like student pride um and the one that I went to was in Brighton and I got this free t-shirt that said gay okay on it. And so I wore it and it was like one of my first few Instagram posts. And my sister saw it then, but never commented, commented on it or anything. But um, recently she was like, dude, the only reason I knew you were gay was because I saw it on your Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Instagram kind of outed me in that way. And then coming out to my mom was Actually, a little more of a violent story, trigger warning um, for like, I guess, domestic abuse, if that's okay to talk about. Um, so I just like escaped this really violent relationship that I was in for about eight years. And the person I was with, I have a child with, and um, we were living together for about a year. So I moved, like, I didn't move out, but was staying mostly with my mum just for safety. Um, but then he called my mum and like had told her that he wanted to see her and have a serious conversation about our relationship. And at this time, like I was still like recovering and trying to even like come to grips with what I had experienced enough to even share it with my family. So I said to my mum, like, don't don't entertain this person. They're horrible. Like it's not going to be worth anything. But she didn't listen. <laughs> um, and she had this conversation with him. I don't know what happened, but my sister said that he bought his laptop or something. And what he'd done was he'd gone and found like a one of my old like dating or kink websites or something that had my sexuality like written on there and came to the house to show my mum. And yeah, I, at that point, I really thought that my mum already knew that I was queer. Like I was, I, I was dating random like <laughs> people that weren't men um, for a long time, but we never had a conversation about it, especially because of you know, the cupboard incident. <laughs> um, so after this, she came to me and was like, oh, I really want to have this conversation with you. I'm so, like, 
upset. I can't believe the things that I've just heard. I can't believe this is like in the public sphere. What's going on? Is this true? I was like, is what true? Like, what? what you? She said, you're a bisexual. I was like, yes. You, you knew this, mum? She didn't. I think maybe she was just in denial for so long that she forgot about it and then was reminded in a very, I guess, violent way um, for both of us. And so at that point, it was really just like, okay, it's you know, conversation or bust because I can't keep entertaining like literal abuses of power in my life. And I was like, yeah, like I have to, it's not, it's not changing, it's not going anywhere, this is what it is. And we've been in coming out mode ever since. And <laughs> her homophobia is more latent now, but it's still unlearning a lot of stuff um, and figuring it out together. But I think those are my three most memorable coming out stories per se. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of conscious of you know how m much I'm asking you all to share. So we'll, we'll wrap up this interview with the the final question, which is, um, what does coming out mean to you? Uh, so if anyone would like to kind of share their thoughts on on coming out, I know that a lot of people have sort of already said stuff about it in their interviews. So mm, I think. In the context of my working life, I think um, coming out feels important to me because I, a lot of clients who come here might want to explore coming out or speak about that or share their experiences with someone who's had a similar experience. And I decided quite a long time ago that um, I, I most of the time, unless I specifically say otherwise, I'm happy to talk about coming out with and be very out with other clients who have who might be exploring a similar identity to me. And I have a lot of clients who I've been seeing for a number of years who have come out in their own way during that time and who we've talked about it a lot and um, kind of supported one another through various moments of coming out or moments of of transition in various ways and I feel like coming out um, in this context feels like a, an important area for me um, less so in my personal life because I feel like I'm that's for me that's kind of already happened the kind of outness in various ways um, but I feel like like over time kind of getting a sense of when a client might want to or asks me certain sorts of questions where I get the impression that they want to speak about certain things I might choose to come out in that moment to be like to sort of open up a space for them to start to share if they want to um, so I guess I have like a particular feelings about being out and coming out in this space so that I can try and help other people um, because that's what happened for me when I started to be here. So it's like a passing it on kind of thing of outness, I guess. I guess to me, coming out um, is actually more about reassuring other people. Um, I've certainly learned here and in, and in other spheres. Um, when people become aware of my queerness, because I tend to present, because I'm a mum with kids, because I'm brown, I tend to present as quite sort of cis and het, and people just make assumptions. 
And I've noticed that people are sometimes, if they are queer, a little bit nervous of people they perceive to be heterosexual. And so by, you know, in some way displaying my queerness or mentioning it or in some way dropping it into conversation, it relaxes people. And Open Bubs being a safe space makes people feel safe that they know that, you know, you're, you're in the club as well. <laughs> um, and then from a personal point of view, um, I feel I belong somewhere, finally, which is really, really amazing to feel like a part of a tribe. Um, but I don't think of it as a big, a big thing that needs to be done. Like I don't, I can understand absolutely why people come out to their parents, for example. I, I have never had any desire to make that declaration because. My parents kind of don't really care. They have seen me through so many different things that were stretching their um, beliefs and expectations and have not changed how they feel about me in the slightest. And they reassure me that, you know, things like uh, having a baby outside of um, wedlock and those sorts of things, um, getting separated and having another partner and that sort of thing have just never I'm not saying they didn't like have a problem with them but they got over them and it's never made a difference to them they still love me they love my kids they love my family they love my partners um, it, I've just never seen a, any particular need to sort of explicitly say by the way um, so that I'm coming out in that sense that's what that means to me that it's almost not necessary for some people mm -hmm. um but yes, I realise that's not the same for everyone. Mm. Mm. Did anyone else want to? Yeah. Um, did anyone else? Okay. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about <coughs> this as you were speaking. It's helpful. Um, that I think that when I was younger, um, coming out was about actually that I think the thing that I had to deal with first was more mental health, and I see these things are connected but um, I was much more aware of my mental health issues before I was aware of any gender or sexuality issues, and I understand to some extent that the mental health issues were um, contributed to by feeling different from other people. But um, I think, so there was a lot of struggle for me to get to where I've got to today, but I think that now, through very, I've transitioned to the extent that I'm, I've taken hormones for some years, um, now people would pass me on the street and see me as a, probably would see me as a white cis man. Um, so for me, coming out now actually is about solidarity and being feminist. I think when I was younger, um, or an ally, um, being, when I was younger I didn't, even when I was aware of feminism, which took me quite a long time to get to, and I was female, I couldn't see the relationship that I had to feminism. I couldn't see what it was, I thought it was about other people. But now that I'm more content within my own gender identity, I can see what my role with within feminism is. But also, like you know, so for me to be coming out to people can actually be quite comfortable. Um, but for other people's experiences of coming out, because they're not coming out into a greater amount of privilege, then the experience could be much more dangerous for those people. Um, and I think so. For me, 
if I find myself, which is rare, in a group of, amongst a group of other cis men, where there might be certain types of conversations being had, I have to put myself. In, I, I want to put myself in uncomfortable situations to call people out or to to sort of stand out and be different or to have some sort of solidarity or to ask questions. And so that might not necessarily be coming out, as in that might not necessarily result in me saying, "Hey, I'm trans. You're being a dick, or you're being, <laughs> like you're saying something terrible." But I think it. It, it has a, like, I think, I guess I've understood the politics of it, that the politics isn't just about me and my political body, but it's my, my body in relation to the rest of the world. And that's why it's important to, to, to come out or stick your neck out or be uncomfortable sometimes, um, which can result in coming out and any type of coming out. Hey, I'm trans, you're being a dick. <laughs> an excellent Did you have something that you wanted to... Um, yeah, I was going to say, kind of like in the same vein of some of the things that have been said, um, coming out for me has definitely been about not lying by omission. Because um, over time, there's just, I feel like lots of Lots of little white lies that add up and that start to weigh heavy. And a lot of my sort of trauma with my queerness when I was younger was like about feeling like I was the only one, like like not, nobody else like me existed. And being that I was in Nigeria, which is a very very religious country, like ninety eight percent religious, um, it's very hard for people to. It, th that's a very real concept, basically, like to like live your life and really believe that you'll never see anyone else that's like you. Um, and so now I want to be out and try to live in a more out kind of existence, just so other people are aware that like there is like at least one other person like them that exists. Because I think like that was kind of like a big basis of just like being here. Or said very mental health related for sure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Coming Out Tapes. I have been your host, Karis Bradley, and I would like to say thanks to Scary Boots for the artwork, which is available to purchase on Redbubble, Michaela Moody for the music, and Alex Lathbridge of the Smart Material Collective for his support of the project. If you want to get involved, please tweet at us, as we'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you liked this episode, subscribe and leave us a review, or recommend us to a friend, because it makes a big difference. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.